Hi, how's it going? Welcome to my podcast. My name is Aubrey. Tonight we will be discussing Samuel Little, who the FBI describes as the most prolific serial killer in history. Um, Samuel Little really is distinctive just because he claims to have strangled and killed 93 people between 1970 and 2005. Samuel Little came to my attention through the Investigation Discovery miniseries, The 93 Victims of Samuel Little, which, by the way, I highly recommend. It is an amazing series. There's only, I think, one or two episodes that I watched. I think there is only two. Um, I'm not too sure about that, so you'll definitely have to check it out um, if you want to know a lot of details about his life and kind of like who he was as a person. I really recommend it. Um, so I just like want to dive right in and uh, talk about what his early life sort of looked like and who he was as a person. So um, Samuel Little was actually born Samuel McDowell on June 7th, 1940. He, um, he was actually from Georgia, Reynolds, Georgia. And, um, so there's several versions, I believe, of this story that really kind of, like, stand out to me. And, um, he says, he claims that his mom actually was a teenage prostitute and, um, abandoned him on a dirt road, um, when he, she had just given birth to him, um, and then he was actually given to his grandparents to take care of, and, um, what police say is that his mother actually had given birth to Samuel in, um, prison, or in jail, excuse me, um, But regardless of all of that, he did end up moving to Ohio, and he did live with his grandma. Um, He did go to high school, I believe, in Ohio. And um, he was, you know, he had a very difficult time in high school, and he eventually did drop out of high school. Later, he would commit, like, crimes that were really petty with, like, theft, um, and a lot of these little petty crimes actually led him to juvenile detention, and from then on, his crimes just got worse. Um, Starting in the 1950s, he moved around from state to state and got arrested for fraud, driving under the influence, assault, armed robbery, and rape, among other crimes. By 1975, he had been arrested for, um, excuse me, he had been arrested over 25 times across 11 states. In total, he served 10 years from these various offenses and escaped two murder convictions before his 2014 conviction. That's right, yeah, he escaped two murder convictions, like... This guy just kept getting off. I just, I, it blows my mind. I mean, he had a history of violence, rape, murder, and for some reason, he just always got a slap on the wrist. So Little claims he spent his years in prison learning how to 
box and um that he was just like a good fighter and he really um he considered even pursuing a career in boxing but he ended up not doing that and uh you know later did his own thing um eventually after i believe his grandmother passed away he did just uh hit the road and he left and he just never looked back and what i mean is he actually lived in his car this man lived in his car and like he just traveled from state to state making all of these offenses or and it was just a really really um terrible time i believe um and like i guess one thing that really stood out to me is uh he um so excuse me sorry i'm actually looking at some information as we speak just because i want to make sure that i'm not providing the wrong information to any of you Um, but yeah, okay, so the thing that stood out to me, this is why I want to discuss this, is like the type of people that he had targeted were people that normally officials really wouldn't notice were missing. It was people who didn't really have anyone who really cared about them. You know, they were prostitutes and drug addicts and homeless people and, um... A lot of these people were women of color, and at the time, you know, you got to keep in mind, this is the 70s, and even then, like, it was still kind of like drug under the table. Racism was still a thing. I mean, it was very prominent still, and so I don't feel like a lot of these women really got a lot, um, like, not a lot, but like... I don't feel like they got the justice that they deserve to a good, proper investigation. I think that it was just swept under the rug, and I don't feel like these cases were properly investigated, and that is just my humble opinion. I don't feel like they truly, um, I don't feel like they truly mattered to the system. It's, it's devastating, but back then, that was the world that we lived in, you know? This was, like, these crimes occurred in the ghettos, you know what I mean? Um, so it's just, it's just a very tragic thing. Um, to this day, the majority of the victims remain unidentified. And um, I watched a lot about this in the actual documentary um, that Investigation Discovery presented, the 93 victims. And, um... He actually didn't just kill women. He killed a lot of LGBTQ women. I believe he killed um, a transgendered woman. He killed 93 victims. Um, and he didn't really... Um, he didn't really like to be called a rapist. So he had a specific method. And what he did was... Uh, he wouldn't, you know, he, he wouldn't end up, like, trying to shoot them or anything like that. He would actually start out 
by punching these people in the face out cold. And then he was strangled, strangled them to death. And um, this actually did arouse him. And um, he never actually, from what he says, like he never was, he, he doesn't like to be called a rapist. Um, that's kind of like his thing is he doesn't like to be called a rapist and all this stuff. And, uh, I think that he, oh my God, he just, he was awful. Um, the LAPD gave him the name, the choke and stroke killer, since he often masturbated while strangling his victims. And, um, it's really wild because, uh. In the actual investigation discovery documentary, um, he talks a lot about this vi- these violence acts that he committed onto these women, and um, he actually starts masturbating under the table, and uh, it's it's really really horrific. You know, it's like your jaw just drops to the floor. It's it's obvious that. You can tell he gets some sort of arousal by thinking about these crimes that he committed in the past. Um, so Little experienced a lot of homelessness, like I had talked about. And um, during this time, once he got a car, that was kind of it for him. So he would travel, and he would tra- he traveled to twenty like 25 different states, you know? And in each of these states, he committed some sort of crime, and it was just, like I said, people that didn't really matter to to the state or anything. And eventually it does matter because, uh, you know, obviously he's convicted now, so to someone in the, in the justice system, this really did matter. So um, I'm just reading this brief um, biography about him just so you guys get an understanding of who he was because I think that it's really important um the biggest thing to me that I think that a lot of people don't really understand about serial killers is sometimes it's just their past that's extremely triggering for them um that actually leads them to this violence and um I think that for Samuel, we just don't know that much about him. I mean, other than, you know, he was in juvenile hall and, you know, he was raised by his grandma, but he definitely had some issues. So I think by understanding his past, we kind of know why he was the way he was today. And um, I, I think touching bases on that is really important in any case. Um I feel like through his means of murder, you can kind of tell that it it's almost a crime of passion just because he did use his bare hands. And I think he has a lot of anonymity towards women because of his abandonment issues um, from his own mother or, or even father or family in any way, you know what I mean? So uh, I think that's what has really, really affected him and... Um, I remember reading that his actual first crime that he was ever convicted of or whatever was um, just something super petty. It was stealing a bicycle, um, which uh, blew my mind right out of the roof. Um, 
In 2012, Little was located at a homeless shelter in Kentucky and transported to Los Angeles for an outstanding drug charge. Once in custody, Little had his DNA tested, which resulted in his connection to three homicides in California between 1987 1989. Um, Carol Eileen Elford and Guadalupe Durart. Apodaca and Audrey Nelson Everett. Um, out of respect for these victims, I do apologize if I pronounce the names wrong. I um, am not great with last names as it is. So please, please, please forgive me, but I do want us to remember their names. So um, if you feel like I've butchered their names, I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, in uh, 2014, the court ha- the court found him guilty of murders and sentenced him to life in prison without parole. Personally, for me, I feel like Samuel Little <laughs> really just should have been executed. I don't feel keeping him alive is... I don't feel like it's justice at all. I mean, he's already spent his whole life living. It's just... He's already old, you know what I mean? So, uh, after Little's, um, after, uh, Little's conviction, the FBI enlisted his information in its Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, known as VI, or it's VCAP, you know, which began finding program, or, um, excuse me, (laughs) finding strong links between his movements throughout the decades to a slew of unsolved murders across 19 states. So, just that alone to me, uh, it's so, it's so, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like he was, like, hunting, you know? Like, he had found this, like, I don't know, a, a way of life. He was a killer. He went state to state, and he killed numerous men and and transgendered women, and you know, and I really want to know who the victims were, and we're going to get more into that in a little bit, but I just want to touch bases on that. I think that it's it's so disturbing that this sort of became a way of life for him. So Little had a long-term relationship with a woman named Jean, who is now deceased. Um, she supported them by uh, shoplifting and... um. It talks a lot about this in the Investigation Discovery documentary as well. But Jean was actually a lot older. Um, she was a lot older than him. And she was kind of like... You You would look at her and you would think, like, that can't be it. That can't... The, this, this cannot be a relationship. She's so much older than he is. Like, it... It was insane to me. Um... So yeah, it's it's still like it still baffles me. Um and so like that's how they took care of each other and uh it was through shoplifting that they actually took care of each other. And I could be wrong that I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right. Yeah, no, I'm right. <laughs> I apologize for that, but yeah, I just want to make sure cuz I always want to make sure that I'm providing the proper um information and again, you can 
fact check all this at biography.com uh, backslash crime figures, I believe. Um, so yeah, you know, he, he was stealing shit, never looked back. He fell in love with this girl who was a lot older than him. I should say a woman, um... But uh, I do want to touch a basis more so, like, now on um, kind of, like, his method, I guess you could say. I guess um, he had a specific sort of victim that he had gone after, and um, these victims, like I said, were people that would be very missed, he thought, or proclaimed, and... Um, I think that in today's society, what we really, really need to start focusing on is that this is a movement, and it starts with us. And so, um, I really, really hope that we as people can start really being humble to one another and understanding that just because someone is homeless... That doesn't give any person on earth the right to victimize these people, um, to slaughter them, to murder them, to take their lives away, or anything like that. I feel like um, homeless women, especially women of color, are more subjected to these violent crimes just because um, they are part of the poverty-stricken areas, and I think that they are more targeted. Um it's a very tragic thing and it is still occurring in today's society and I think that the reason that this man had gone undetected for so long is just because of the assumption that oh like oh these people are just homeless let's just push it under the rug so I hope that we can stop doing that and um kind of get further and further away from that and start understanding sex workers are people just like us and they're doing a job and um, it may not be a, conv a conventional job like you or I have where I work at Starbucks or you work at as a doctor, you know what I mean? It's, we all come from different walks of life and we are all deserving of a proper investigation if we are um, victims of a violent crime, regardless of if it is through sex, sexual abuse or whatever it may be. We all are deserving of a fair trial, a fair, uh, and a fair proper investigation if we are victimized. So, um, you know, Samuel is in, in prison, obviously. He's wheelchair bound. He's really old. He's, um, God, he's like 79 years old, I believe. Um, and a lot of these women um, were thought to be, you know, sex workers, like I said. They were just living in society's fringes, to say the least. And, um, you know, he started a sentence in 2012 for the, mur for the murders of three women. And um, he eventually confessed to killing 93 people across the U.S. between 1970 and 2005. The FBI posted a page on its website um, seeking assistance connecting victims to Samuel Little's confessions. And um, you can actually go to the FBI's page and I will find like some sort of link, I guess, and probably put it in my 
Instagram when I try and share this, I guess. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Um, or I can just verbally tell you the link, I guess. Um, but yeah, so they actually posted pictures. Um, and these are not just pictures. Uh, Samuel Little is actually a, a fairly decent drawer. He draws the face of a lot of these victims he um the reason that i don't feel like he's bullshitting is just because um of his reaction to being presented uh i guess not being presented but himself presenting these drawings and he uh him telling you like their backstory and who these people are so like what he did was he handed um investigate like he would hand them these pictures and he would be like yep i remember so and so and this is their backstory this lady was a mother i don't even i remember distinctly like her son and all of that and i didn't even care about her son i didn't even care about her i just all I knew is I had to get her away from her son so that I could kill her. So, yeah, that that is the mindset of the person that we are discussing right now. And, um, you know, the FBI shared these pictures and uh, their drawings of the faces of the women that he had murdered. Um, and I'm almost... Po- like, it... It makes me so fucking uncomfortable looking at these pictures. It is so, like, I don't know. It's so eerie. And when you look at them, I'm not going to lie. I think it's, like, the faces of the women who have sadly passed away. And um, what I mean by that is that these drawings, I am almost positive of, like, them after they had passed on, or possibly, like, when they were scared. Uh, it gives me goosebumps. I'm so creeped out by it, to tell you the truth. Um, so, Miami, Florida, 1971 to 1972, uh, Little said that during this period, he met a good-looking 18- to 19-year-old transgendered. In a video confession, he described the victim as a black male. Now, this is quote-unquote black male dressed up as a female. He added that the victim wanted to be known as Marianne, or, and, that, and that's M-A-R-Y-A-N, or excuse me, M-A-R-Y-A-N-N, or M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E. So, Little said that they met at a bar known as The Pool or The Pool Palace near 17th Avenue in Miami. The murderer also stated that he had drove the victim down Highway 27 before killing her on a driveway. And this was possibly near a sugarcane field. So you got to keep in mind, this was so long ago. And I think that um, agriculturally, I think that things are consistently changing. I mean, the earth is shifting. Things are moving. Things are changing. A lot can change during that time period. Um, I think that it, it's going to be such a difficult time trying to find these victims just because of how long it has been um 
He said that he had later left the body in thick, muddy water, describing how he disposed um, of the body, Little said in his video confession, quote-unquote, So I got out of the car, pulled her out, and dragged her into the growth back there, and pulled her deeper into... There's a path. A little path that went into in somewhere i don't know where it led to but it was running deeper into the underground uh, undergrowth um and we ran into some water running but before we got to the water the earth was mushy i turned her loose and she fell into it face down so, it's like, keep in mind, you know, this is Florida. This is Miami, Miami, Florida. It's hot, okay? You know, this is mushy water, like, I mean, Florida is just, it's the worst for humidity, and I think bodies, especially, like, you know, I said the earth is shifting, and bodies just kind of, they they decay and all of that and I think that if we were to find anything I think it would be too late I want to stay hopeful it's just it's so tragic <clears throat> and so another victim that they had found and this was in New Orleans um, Louisiana I think you guys all know New Orleans. If you don't, Louisiana food is the best food. And I'm just saying that. <laughs> just to brighten up the mood, let's talk about food. <laughs> so, um, in 1982, um, Little said he met a honey-colored black woman between 30 to 40 years old in New Orleans in 1982, like I just said. But... Um, she told him she lived with her mother. Um, the killer claimed that they had met in a club where she was attending a birthday party with a group of her friends and her two sisters. And Little said he left with the woman in his Lincoln Continental Mark before they drove down a dirt road along a canal that was being dredged. He says they then got out of the car before he killed her and left the body there so you know as you can see like we're finding like this is so we start off in miami florida which was 1971 to 1972 now we are coming into new orleans louisiana 1982 um he just left that body there didn't you know and then moved on. So now we're coming into 1984. The year is 1984. Right now we are in Covington, Kentucky. And right now we are going to talk about... Um, and um, we're going to talk about uh, this this victim, you know, which wasn't his convention... Con I guess um, not... I don't know. Wasn't his excuse me? Wasn't his regular victim? Um, this was a short, blonde-haired woman, blue eyes. You know, very hippie. Uh, she had asked for a lift to Miami, where her mother lived. 
Little says he strangled the woman in the backseat of his car before leaving her body on the top of a hill. So, I mean, this this is insane to me. Just like, just it just keeps going. So now we're into Little Rock, Arkansas, 1992 to 1994. Um, the serial killer said he met a 24... And this, by the way, this is called Guys.com. Um, and you can find this article here on this website if you want to look at it. Um, feel free. So, uh, Little also had said, um, you know, he had, he had met a woman in Little Rock, uh, during the year of 1982 or 1994. Her name was Ruth and her mother lived in North Little Rock. So, Little said that it was cold and possibly snowing, and he ended up staying with her for around three days. The murderer told investigators he later drove her down a dirt road and strangled her to death before placing her body on a pile of branches and old corn stalk in a cornfield. And these are the women that I am discussing to you right now, I believe, are the women that just were never found. These are the ones that he's confessed to. Um, and this isn't just talking about the three that he had murdered, um, that he had been convicted of murdering. So Little was driving, um, and we're, we're coming into Las Vegas, Nevada. So the year is 1993. So... Anyway, coming back to this article, Little was driving a Cadillac to Las Vegas when he met a black woman who was around 40 years old. He confessed to taking her to a motel room where he again strangled her to death. Now we're seeing a pattern. Little said he then put her body in the boot of his car and drove her to the outskirts of Las Vegas before rolling the woman uh, rolling the woman downing a steep slope on a remote road. He says it's likely her body was never found. Um, and tragically, I don't think very many of these women are going to be found. So, like, Little was kind of known as, like, a nomad. And, like I said, he moved from place to place. He targeted vulnerable people. Um, I, you know, he was in and out of jail, and even when he was tried for murder, he got away twice. The FBI um, has said it is working with police to verify the remaining victims from his confessions. The Buru has also released a map marking the locations of his attacks. The exact timing of when Little drew the pictures isn't known, but the FBI said they were based on his memories of some of the victims. And like I said, um, if you do come across these pictures... I think taking a deeper look at all of the, like, details in these pictures is, like, so, so disturbing. Um, you can tell that a lot of these women's faces come from, like, a place of fear. And, um, you can kind of tell that he sort of gets off by these women. And I think it's so disgusting. Um... But I just, I want to wrap things up there. Like I said, watch the documentary, The 93 Victims of Samuel Little. 
if you want to know more, I mean, it has actual, it's him talking. You'll hear a lot of his own testimonials of his own incidents. Um, You can know more about the victims and who they were. You will hear, like, discussions from investigators. And um, I highly, highly recommend it if you want to know more facts about that. Um, I'm still thinking this is my first episode of this little series that I am covering so I just I hope I this is my well I guess I could say this is my first like podcast ever so I hope that you guys really like it I hope you stick around for the next one and I will see you real soon thank you for your time I hope you guys have a good rest of your night and um you know (laughs) I'll catch you in the next one bye bye